All right, three to seven can cut out. If you're here, open your Bible to Psalm 107. Well, you are here if you have your Bible here. Hopefully you're here. If you're here mentally, open up to Psalm 107. I thought I was going to teach through um, or preach through life of Joseph, and I'll probably get back to that. That just didn't where God ended me up this week. Last week we talked about Jacob or uh, Joseph's troubles, and I'm going to kind of continue on that this week. Seems to be a lot of folks having troubles right now, and that's okay because there are people here who are making war on the floor. I heard a man say it, and I, I just say it over and over. Prayer is not preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. That's right. And I appreciate all the people praying. I do like. To, I do want to give God praise this morning. My back's way better. I'm not 100, percent but man, it's way better. And appreciate everybody praying. I also want to share. There's a there's a uh, a lady who is dear friend in our family, and she's been here. A lot of y'all know Miss Nanette. And uh, she has a granddaughter that they said that one specialist said she had a brain tumor. She was having some headaches and said she had a brain tumor and, and um, that kind of stuff. She's just, I don't know how old she is, maybe 17, 18 in that area, right, Starla, somewhere in that area. And uh, anyhow, they went to Houston, and I'm giving you the short impact of it, but uh got to Houston and it's not a brain tumor it's not cancerous okay so uh you know you say well probably never was I'm gonna say ah maybe God just touched her how about that and there's a lot of some good to see brother Mike Kilgore I know he don't like attention but he was in the hospital last week and he's here today and man God is good and and he does so much and I just want to give God praise Cannon saved and trusted Jesus we're gonna baptize him in September and a lot of good stuff a lot of good stuff so um, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm greatly just burdened about here lately is <clears throat> the view that that it seems like um, the world has of of Jesus of Christianity. Been talking to a lot of people, had a lot of opportunity here lately just to talk to them about the Lord and 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 the the common thing that I've seen in every one of them, and even a lot of times in God's people, is that that our view of the Lord and His desires for us is so warped. Especially lost people, and and it's, it's and it's almost like when you when you take the time to talk to them, go, no, that's that's not who the Lord is. You know, this is what the Bible teaches us of what Jesus is. They're like, really, and like, yeah, he's really good. You know, and I talked to a to a lady this week, a um a Jewish lady, and I was trying to share <clears throat> Jesus with her, and and anyhow, just her just listening to her give her view. She kept talking about religion and what was funny was she she was talking to me and my wife, she was talking about how religion well, you know, you know, religion, blah blah blah, and it's all about money and, and people are hypocritical and all that stuff. I said, You know what's crazy is you don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but you're saying the same things that he said. And she looked at me funny, I said, I'm I'm anti religion. I have nothing for religion or money or or any of that kind of stuff. I, I believe it's it's corrupt. I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about having a relationship with with the one and only Savior of this world. And so um a lot of times troubles cause us to get the wrong view or we like I said last week, sometimes we misinterpret the troubles. 
So I wanted to read this to you. Maybe you're here today and, and you have this thought process of the Lord that needs to be corrected. And if not, if you got the right process, you need to share it. Okay, verse one. Now this is going to be a crazy Bible study because the way I got to go about it. So you're going to have to stick with me and look at the scripture, and because um, I'm going to kind of jump around. So let's read it and we'll then we'll tear it apart. It says, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, and His mercy, if you're going to underline your Bible, endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so." whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. And you're going to see this repeated over and over in this psalm. I think he's trying to make a point. He says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Those who sat in the darkness and the shadow of death bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And God's response, he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and out of the shadow of death. He broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And then he goes into the third scenario. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. His response, he saved them out of their distresses. And he sent his word, and he healed them. (coughs) Excuse me. He delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Those who go down in the sea to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep, for he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down against the depths, or to the depths their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men and are at their wits end. <laughs> they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. His response, he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that he, still, the waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. He guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> and I want you, well, I'm not going to read one more verse. I want you to look at the whole point of why the psalmist wrote this in the last verse. It's a very key verse, okay? In verse 43, notice what it says, whosoever or whoever is wise will observe these things, these things we've just read, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. I think one of the most understood things that people have, especially lost people, and 
is the, is the loving kindness of the Lord. The world is clueless to it. Religion has misrepresented it and, and the enemy has so lied about God's nature and God's character and the way and why God does things, which that brings it to the point where it starts off in verse one. It says, let the redeemed, that's those who've been born again, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That leaves it up to us, you know, and here's the thing, when you look at the world and you go, how in the world do these people come up with these ideas and all this negative thoughts of God? And I know that that is the natural nature of sinners, but listen to me, the Bible said we as the church, as the redeemed of the Lord, are a city on the hill, and so if the world's getting this view, somehow we're not communicating something right. And when you look at this, you know, even the redeemed of the Lord have a tendency oftentimes to confuse or to misrepresent. And we we have the tendency to um, forget how we were redeemed. It's amazing how, how a person who can be in any situation described here, okay, how we can be in that situation. This room is full of them. And and the Lord shows us mercy, and he saves us, and he redeems us. And after we're saved for just a little while, we we begin to look at other people in, in the eyes that's not of the Lord, but in a, in a self-righteous, a judgmental, you know, type of view, like, you know, it just took a little mercy to save us. And, you know, this person, you know, maybe they fall or fail. I've, I've had it, you know, in the last few weeks, people questioning and wondering and looking at the lifestyle of people and I go man I I think we need to to get a deeper understanding of the love and kindness of God because it took the depths of great depths of God's mercy to redeem me as it did you as it did them and if it's enough for me it's enough for them and it's only listen to me you're not saved can we turn it down just a little bit there you go you're you're not just saved by God's mercy You're kept by God's mercy. And if at any point it was left up to us to continue in our salvation, to keep our salvation, to maintain our salvation, we are without hope. You understand that? And so if you're here this morning and you go, I'm a person that I'm not sure God's mercy is enough, or maybe you don't understand God's loving kindness and His mercy, if you don't see it in this passage of Scripture, then you're not paying attention. Now look at the object object of God's mercy. Throughout this, it's not people who are good, people who have things together, people who are in church every Sunday. The object of God's mercy, basically if you allow me to say it, is a bunch of morons. A bunch of sinful people, people who have the inclination to rebel, use the word wander, and that's talking about the redeemed, wander. We wander, and oftentimes we rebel against God's word, and we have the natural tendency to bring about misery and distress and affliction and troubles and self-destruction. We all have that. Say, why why do people have so many troubles? And this is where I think we get off in our theology because we start looking at God going, I don't know why God's causing this or doing this. And, uh, and I, I, I had a couple this week that they had something really bad happen to them and, and they were talking to me about it. And, and one of the things he said, he said it two different times. He said, you know, I know the Lord, you know, did this and da 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 because we need to come back to a place we need to be. And I said, I, I just got to pause for a second here. Don't go blaming God or putting putting the blame on God for things God didn't do. Because it happens, you know, people take the sovereignty of God and go, well, if it happens, God did it. Or No, 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 that's not true. That's not true at all. 
I want you to look at this. I want you to look at the text here, okay? Look in verse 4 and 5. Let's read that. Now notice what it starts off with. It doesn't say God. What does it say? It says they. Notice their response. They wandered. In the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Look at verse 10 and 12. Those who sat in darkness in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons. Why? Because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. It means I don't care what God's Word says. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to live how I'm going to live. I'm going to walk in the way that I walk. Okay. Then look in verse 19 and 20. No, that ain't where I want to well, I want 17, 18. <clears throat> Fools, because of what? Their transgressions. And because of their iniquities, they were afflicted. Didn't have anything to do with God, okay? Now look in verse 28 through 30. 28 through 30 says, um, let me, no, I told you wrong again, 23 through 27. Getting ahead of myself. Those who go down in the sea in ships who do business on great waters... They see the works of the Lord, his wonders in the deep, for he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea, mounts up to the heavens. They go down to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men there at their wit's end. So when you look at that, you go, well, didn't it say that God raised up the waves? Isn't that what an ocean does? What business did they have on the ocean to start with, number one? But the thing that I see when I look at this passage of Scripture, I go, that's just life. You know what an ocean does? An ocean, the, the waves rise up. Because God spoke it before the beginning of, of man. God spoke that. That's the way the world works, okay? And oftentimes we put ourselves just, and it's just life. You get into a situation where you go, I don't understand why this happens. I, I, man, I had a, I'll just give you some for instance of what stirs me. Like this week, uh, a man I used to pastor in Denson Springs and his daddy passed away. His daddy had a lot of difficulties. Some of them he brought on himself. Anyhow, he, 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 I talked to him and I said, man, you're in church. No, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to church right now. Ever since that happened to my dad and he passed away, it's kind of, kind of like he's uh, upset with God. And I'm thinking, you know, here's the God's honest truth. God said we're all going to die. And he said, we could die from the time that we take our first breath until we're 125 years old. Why are you angry at God when somebody passes away? I've heard that three different times this week. I'm like, Jesus came to give us life. He's the one that came to save us. He could have said, sorry about your luck. You're the one that brought the death on because sin brought about death. God didn't. God spoke life into us. He breathed the breath of life in Adam, eternal life. Adam rebelled against God. He didn't listen to the counsel of God. And death was passed upon men because Adam Sinned against God. And we do the exact same thing. So why in the world do we get so upset and blame God for what is just life? Everybody here is going to die. If you're going to get upset when somebody's going to die, you're going to stay upset because every person in this room, is if you're breathing the breath of life, one day you're going to die. Your husband's going to die. Your wife's going to die. Maybe you're one of your kids. God forbid it could die. But you know what? That's life. Every one of us are going to get sick. Every one of us are going to have struggles. Every one of us is going to have troubles. You know, that's just like Curtis this morning. Go, that's terrible. And I'm begging God and praying God. But you, but you know what? That's the corrupt world we live in because we brought about this on ourselves through rebellion and sin towards God. And yet when things happen, we want to get upset with God and, and move away from God. And you know what? Here's what I would do if I was God. I'd be like, fine, whatever. If you want to blame me, if you want to put this on me and you want to get upset, go about your way. But God doesn't do that. Aren't you glad I'm not God? 
one of the things that I saw in this passage of scripture, I thought, you know what? I am nothing like God. I'm, I'm nothing like God whatsoever. You know why? Because my mercy has its limits and it has its boundaries and yours does too. You know, we, we don't, we don't, you know, when the Bible says your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not my, I don't even, I can't even think like God. And so when you look at, look at verse six through nine, notice God, what, what I wanted you to get out of that was in each situation, whether it was through wandering, whether it was through rebelling against God's word, not listening to the counsel of God, whether it was because of transgression and sin and just they wanted to live in sin, or whether sometimes it's just the way life goes. In each one of them, you don't see God saying, I'm the one that caused this, I did this, you know. Even in the part where it says, let me read to you because some of you analytical people like me might question it. Look, at, look in verse, um, oh, let me find it. Right, uh, anyhow, where it says the Lord brought them down with labor. So see, the Lord, when they rebelled, he brought them down with labor. You know why he did? So that they would look to him. God's whole purpose is he wants, the Bible said he loves mercy. He wants to show you mercy. I don't care where you're at this morning. You might be in the most wicked place that you've ever been in your life. And God's desire for you is to go, I want to show you mercy. I want to show you love and kindness. I want to forgive you. I want to redeem you. I don't want to just leave you there. I'm going to continue to walk with you and carry you to the place of your desired haven. Man, do you see that? That's the only hope we've got. And I'm thankful for that hope. And so when you look at God's response, because, you know, people get this idea, well, I messed up once or I messed up twice. And, and honestly, as a, as a pastor, there's times where I go, how many times? You know, how many times? Lord, these people just, you know, here, it's, it, and, and, you know, here's what I see. When I look at the Bible, I see a cycle. People do good for a little while. They'll walk with the Lord. Next thing you know, they fall off the wagon. You're like, man, next thing you know, here they are. And, they, and, and boom, they're there. And this cycle, and I'm thinking, Lord, where are you at and all that? And you know what he said? I'm right there with them. I never leave my people. I never forsake them. I never forget them. My, my mercy is endures forever. That's crazy. That's not logical thinking to me. That's why my thoughts are not his thoughts. He's not. He's like, I'm beyond logic. God's mercy and grace goes way beyond logic. So look at God's response. Maybe y'all don't need mercy as much as I do. I'm telling you right now. When I read this, I was like, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And, uh, cause I need a lot of mercy. But notice in verse 6, when they came to the place, in verse 5, their soul fainted. You been there? You might be there this morning. What was that? What did they? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. We're talking about people who wandered. You know, the Lord saved you. He, he was good to you. Redeemed you from all your sins. And what did you do? You just wandered off. You don't, you don't seek the Lord. You don't, you don't go to church. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. You just wandered off. And it brings you to the place you know where it brings all of us. And so the next thing you know, you see yourself crying to God. And what do you think God's... Some people think God's like, "Mm mm-mm. You get back to church, you start doing right, and then I'll... No. As soon as they cried out to God, what does it say? They cried out to the Lord in trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. That's mercy. That's getting what you don't deserve. You know, when you come to a place, you go, God, I I know I wandered. I know I rebelled. I know I backslid. I know I haven't been reading your word. No, I haven't been walking with you. I haven't been doing that. God, I haven't been doing anything, but I'm all about me. And it's brought me to this place. God, will you show me mercy? He's like, yeah, that's why I'm here. You know, that's why I've been walking with you through this whole miserable place that you've been carrying me. I'm here to forgive and to restore. That's a good, that's a good God right there, boy. And then look in verse 13. Verse 13. They, these are the ones who rebelled against God's word. 
Then they cried out to the Lord. When they, what? When they fell down, there was none to help them. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. And then you look in uh, verse, let me find a place, verse 19 and 20. 19 and 20, these are the sinful, wicked people in their transgression and iniquities. They were afflicted because of it. Verse 19 and they, or 18, they drew near to the gates of death. They was at the end of their rope. And what did they do? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And his response, he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and he healed them. Is there anybody here that can identify with that? Man, I'm telling you. And then look in verse 23 through 27. No, I told you the wrong thing. I got so many notes. Verse 28 through 30. Verse 28 through 30. I love this verse 27 where he says, They were at their wits' end. I've been to my wits' ends. Then they cried out to the Lord in trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. He calmed the storm so that the waves were still. They were glad because it was quiet. And you know what? Here's the thing there's a difference between mercy and grace. Okay? Mercy is you do not get what you deserve. What we deserve is for God to go, you made your bed, sleep in it. You chose to wander, stay out there. But, but look at the, look at so many things in the Bible where God's trying to tell sinners what it, you know, when you think about those who wandered, then you hear, you hear the story of Jesus is the shepherd who leaves the one or the 99 and he goes out into the wilderness after the one. And, and, and think, I thought about when he's talking about the waves and stuff. Remember the night that, that the disciples were in the boat and they went out on the sea and it said that the, the wind was contrary and it was blowing, the storms was coming in. They were, they were rowing and they rowed all night. I think that's what it means when he said he brought them down with labor. It is, it is so natural for us to go, I'm gonna get myself out of this trouble, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, that's kinda like what religion is. Lord, I know I've done some things, but I'm gonna work my way back into good standing, and the Lord's like, and you know what you do when you do that? You try to get your marriage out of trouble on your own, you try to get your life out of trouble on your own, you try to fix everything on yourself, and you look to all these different things, the Lord's like, you know what you're gonna come up with? You just, you're gonna come up hungry and thirsty, you're gonna come up empty, you're not gonna find what you're looking for, and then all of a sudden when you get to the, how great God's mercy is when we look at him last. We hadn't even thought about God. And then you muster up enough from the Holy Spirit going, hey, look at me, look at me. Just think about it. And you look at God like, Lord, will you show me mercy? He's like, I'm fixing to radically change your life. That's mercy. Grace is God doesn't just get you out of trouble and leave you sitting on the edge. God's like, now I'm going to take you to where you wanted to go to start with. I'm going to give you your desired haven. I'm going to fill you. I'm going to satisfy you. That's grace. You've heard me say the illustration before, you know, mercy is when you're running 95 and a 20 in a school zone and Lynn Hubert, the highway patrolman, pulls you over and he comes up to the car and he says, that was stupid and you know you deserve a ticket, but I'm, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you mercy. I'm not going to write you a ticket. That's mercy. Grace is, and then Lynn pulls out a $50 bill and says, now I want to buy you and your wife a steak. That's what God does. God doesn't just go, all right, I'm not going to punish you for your sin. I'm I'm also going to bless you. And I'm going to show you my goodness and my kindness and my my loving kindness. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to so lavish you in my love because I don't want you to ever even look back that direction. Shouldn't that be what God's grace does when you get that? You know, when it, when that hammers your, through your hard head and in your heart to where you're like, God's, God, you mean to tell me God's not the cosmic principle who's running around trying to, you know, put me in detention or whatever? No. God's that one who's always walking with you and you stumble, fall, and He picks you up and, and you dive and He saves you and He, He rescues you. And then all of a sudden He's like, come on, go with me. I've, I've got what you're looking for. I just want to keep you away from that. We shouldn't even consider the wandering. 
How, how can we look back into that place when the Lord's like, remember when he, just like in the, when he went out to the one, left the 99, went out to one, what did he do? When he came to it, he found it, says he picked it up and put it on his shoulders, and he, that's grace. He just carried us. He didn't like, we got this idea of God's like, here, I, I rescued you, now you better stay right here, and you better do what I say, and you better follow this. The Lord's like, here, let me carry you. I know you're weak. I know you're flesh. I know you're naturally inclined to do crazy things, so I'm just going to carry you by my grace. Mm. That's good, ain't it? Maybe this message is for me. It worked, I can tell you that. It is. Now, so, so God's response is this. I want you to get, while we're doing all the crazy things that we do that brings about all the troubles that we have, you know what God does? God listens and God watches and then when we cry out, God saves. How many times? Every time. You mean to tell me what if I what if I just do this and I do this and do that? What, what about if there's a person in this crowd and they've committed adultery, you know, seven times every time? What if I've killed somebody? What if I've murdered, you know, 500 people every time? You know, what if I look at things that I shouldn't look at? And what if I say things? What if I use the name of God in vain and I, and I did it, you know, right before church every time? You're not, you're just not going to find a place. You're not going to find a sin. You're not going to find, but you notice what he says here when he says over here in a verse, uh, I'm going to jump around this morning because I'm a little bit excited, but you had to bear with me. In verse 16, he has broken the gates of bronze, and he cut out the bars of iron. Why say, why do you write that? Bronze and iron are the two strongest things. You have no sin so deep, so black, so strong that God can't set you free. You understand that? When you look at your life and go, oh, I'm off on it. like, okay, now look to God and tell me how great God is. Would you explain to me, when you stand in the presence of your past or even your present, maybe you're here this morning and go, I'm, I've wandered, I'm backsliding, I'm, I'm involved in sin, I'm, 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 I'm doing things that I want, wouldn't want anybody here to know about. You take that and you set that right there next to the cross of Jesus Christ. And you tell me how great your sin is in comparison to how great his salvation is and how great his mercy is. There is no comparison. And that's why the Bible says where sin abounds, grace has hyperabounded. It much more abounds. You can't compare the power of sin to the power of the resurrection. I mean, that's good. And so here's the thing. This is where it hits home. This is part of the message I didn't like. Look in verse... Um, we'll start in verse 1 because there's just a pattern. Verse 1, notice what he says. Do what? Oh, give thanks. You know what the greatest tool of evangelism is? Praise. It is. It's praise. And what he says, give thanks. Give thanks. Why? For the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed say so. You know how the world is going to see that we serve a God whose who's loving kindness is beyond measure, that He's good, that He shows mercy to sinners when we say so, when we praise, okay? You say, well, I don't know the Bible, and I can't, I can't, you know, speak the Romans road, right? We come with all kinds of excuses. I'm, I'm scared to witness. I'm scared to do this. Are you scared to praise? You know, I think anybody who's been redeemed can praise the Lord. You're not asking people to join in except what you say. You can't even be rejected. You understand that? People can't reject your praise. It's not, it's not towards them. It's towards the Lord. We ought to speak. That's what our testimony is. They can't say, well, you know what? Your, your boy wasn't saved this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can't shut me up from saying it. 
And you can't keep me from saying that this, this, this girl who was suspected to have a tumor doesn't have any more. And you can't tell me that people that were sick, that God raised them. You can't tell me that, that my wife was laying on the deathbed in the hospital and the next day she woke up perfectly fine. You can't say that didn't happen because I saw it and I didn't ask you what you thought. I'm just going to give him praise. You know? And because the Bible said, I'm a city on a hill. The Bible said that you as a believer, you're the light of the world, a city on a hill. We're not supposed to keep it, you know, covered up. We ought to, we ought to let God just, we ought to be people of praise. He said, offer up the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. I think my battery's going out. Alright, let's look at verse 8. Notice what it says here. He gives you the scenario in four different times. It says, and I won't read it all four times, I won't read it. Yeah, the longing that he has here. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Our lost going to be saved? The last time I checked in Romans chapter 2, it says, it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. What if the world around you, what if all they heard was God's goodness and praise and thanks coming out of our mouth? Because we've got something to give praise about. If you're a vessel of mercy, amen. And then it says, for his wonderful works. Where do we hear that? Well, we do come to church. It doesn't say it. Church, it says, to the children of men. It's talking about lost people. People out in the world. People around you, and I know. You know, people don't want to get labeled. He's a religious fanatic. He's a, he's a, he's a Jesus freak and all that stuff. I, man, I, I'd love. How many of you would love to stand before the Lord and him and go, you know what you got accused of more than anything? Being a Jesus freak. Mmm, like, yeah. In that day, I'm going to be excited. You understand that? And you know, let him say it. Who cares? So I think you're, you know, a perverted freak or whatever. You know, the things that you do, but I don't say nothing. So, you know, you do what you do and I'm going to do what I do and you serve what you serve and I'm going to praise what I praise. And then, uh, notice, I know I got way off my notes. Let me find them. Look in verse, uh, 31 and 32. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. And then he says, let them exalt him in the assembly of the people. What are we here to do? One thing, exalt Jesus. Man, we, we should have all day services, I think. One, at least once a month. I know that's a religious fanatic, but we ought to have them. And we ought to just be here and go, you know what? We're just going to start this afternoon. We're just going to go around the crowd for the four people that stayed. <laughs> We're gonna go around the crowd and we're just gonna, we're just gonna listen to what God's doing in your life, what He's done in your life, what you're hoping He's gonna do in your life. And people ought to be able to just stand and go, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life this week or this month or this year and what God's done in my, my, my life, my family, with my kids and just exalt the name of Jesus. Where at the end we're all like, ah, you know, that's cool. It'd be awesome. Then notice, notice what He says in, uh, in verse 32, let Him, and then it says, and let Him praise Him in the company of the elders. You know, God's all about hearing. And so here's the thing. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'm one who needs mercy. Well, you're in a good crowd because all of us need mercy. But eat, listen to me. Some of us need mercy. Maybe you go, I'm, I'm sick and I'm dealing with this. Or, or maybe you've sinned and you're dealing with sin in your life. Or maybe you're dealing with, you know, troubles. Whatever, whatever the area is that you look in that passage of scripture and go, I, I identify with the wandering or I identify with, with this or that. Or maybe I'm just, maybe this is just life, God, and, and I need mercy. Or maybe you're here and I say, you know, God has shown me mercy. Even this, even this week I've seen God's mercy and I've seen God's forgiveness and I've seen God's healing and I've seen God's restoration. I've seen God's provision. All these things that God has done in my, my life this week or this month or this year. You know, I've seen God's mercy. Here's my question for both crowds. So what are you going to do with that? How do you respond to that? Because here's my, here's my thing. What will heaven hear as a response? 
Some of you are here and you can, you can identify with the very first thing where you say, He has redeemed me from my enemy. Satan had me in his grips. I was lost on my way to hell where God didn't create me to go. And you know what? Jesus divinely intervened through the, through the gospel. I heard the message. I believed in my heart and God forgave me and he redeemed me from my enemy. How much has heaven heard since? What's been the response of that? Because oftentimes it's silence. It's murmuring. It's the next trouble that we fire towards heaven in a prayer. Or what will you do in response? You know, because we pray some elaborate prayers. We don't ask God for little things. Think about this. Even in salvation, when you come to God with that prayer, we make it, it's just a simple thing, a simple prayer, and it's not a prayer at all, okay? But when you come to God asking for forgiveness, this is basically what we're appealing. Holy God, I'm a wicked black sinner. You know where I've been. You know what I've done. And I'm asking you to show me mercy because I'm the one that nailed your son to the cross. I'm the one who killed him. I'm the one who spit in his face. I'm the one who tortured him. I'm the one who mocked him. And I'm asking you to show me mercy. Is that not elaborate? Is that not the greatest appeal you could ever go to God to? And you know what? Every time, every time God says, that's what I died for. That's what I sent my son for. That's what I gave for because I want this point in your life. I want to show you mercy. And you know, I would have to think if he's just going to, I don't imagine a lot, but I was going to imagine, I'd have to think at that moment the angels are like, let's watch the response. And oftentimes it's like, appreciate it, Lord. Just something shallow. Thanks. You know, I hate to walk up there in front of all those people and be embarrassed. Well, let's, let's just, let's give the dude a break. You know, let's, let's see. Let's, you know, maybe after a little while and he grows and he understands what he's got. And so three or four years comes by. So the angels come back to, to visit us on surely in the church. We're going to see this dude shouting the glory to God. You know, he's in the assembly of the people. Let's see what he does. And then maybe they're reading your mind. Oh, I wish you'd hurry up because I'm getting hungry. You know, the restaurant's going to be crowded. Oh yeah. Amen. God's merciful. You know, ain't that true? Man, has the world heard? Does the world know you're a Christian? Does the world know that God is good because of your life? Does the world know God saved your marriage? Does the world know that God saved your children? Does the world know that God's overly blessed you more than you could ever think, ask, or imagine? Does the world know God's restored you? Does the world know God... You understand what I'm saying? I think we ought to pound the gates of heaven with praise. And God, I, I didn't ask the world. This is not towards I didn't ask the world. If they want to sit around this and great. You know, and I actually asked Jeremy sing it during the invitation. I usually don't. But I've been listening to that song. They sang it last week during worship is, uh, Oh, Praise the Name. And uh, one, I can't quote it word for word, but, but the second part of that song talks about Jesus when he rose from the grave and it says, The angels roar. I thought, man, I, would, I, I can't wait, honestly. You know, it's hard for me to imagine heaven and imagine all that stuff, but I'm going to be there because God promised by his mercy. But can you imagine, you know, for if you've just, if you died today, fell over dead, you know, from a bald heart attack, whatever, and all of a sudden you're standing at the throne and it becomes silent and the Lord says, welcome home. I'm so glad that you're here. I did everything I could do to get you here and I'm, what do you think about it? What do you think your response would be? Well, Lord, I hope this ends pretty quick because I'm kind of, my stomach's growling. 
I don't think you'd do that. I think you'd lose your mind. You know why you would lose your mind and just praise God and shout glory to God and you would join in with, you would be the one roaring. You know why? Because the love and kindness of God, all of a sudden you came to understand it. I wish we could understand it here. Because I'm absolutely convinced if God's people could get a hold of this, that we'd have a whole lot more of God's people. You'd have a whole lot more people who are, who are coming to Jesus. And, and here's my thing. Why is it that we, that we, we ask for elaborate prayers and God does elaborate answers and He's done amazing things in our life and yet we give some shallow thanks and we're embarrassed sometimes or ashamed to even name the name of Jesus in public. And I want to be like, remember the woman with the alabaster box that, that God obviously did something. I don't, they don't say, but He did something in her life. She took the most expensive thing she had and she walked in and bowed at His feet. She anointed Him. And remember the other woman who, who walked in among all the religious people and she didn't care what they thought. She just walked in. She, she bowed down to Jesus' feet. Started washing his feet with her, with her hair and her tears. Remember what Peter, Peter's the one who got mercy. He denied three, Jesus three times and the rooster crowed and he went out and the Lord, the Lord came to him. And he restored Peter. Okay, and, you, and then you remember um, on the day of Pentecost when everybody was sitting around mocking them and making fun of them. Said, you know, they, when the Spirit of God came upon them, they like, these dudes are drunk. And all of a sudden, in, the, in this huge crowd, you know, who mercy grabbed a hold of Peter. And he stood up and said, hold on a second, got to say something. He preached Jesus and 3,000 people were saved. That's elaborate worship. I want to be guilty of that. I want to be one of those people who go, you know what, I, I, I just... I'd rather people say he's an idiot and he talks about Jesus all the time. You can't even get around him when I'm talking about how good God is and all this stuff. It drives me crazy. I'm like, bingo, bingo. He, because he's good. And, and he's worthy of that. And so I want to give you some hope this morning. Real quick, this is my last one. Psalm, Psalm chapter 40. I want you to look at this. I'll let you get there before I start reading. Look in Psalm 40. Just, just real quick before I read this, I want, I want to talk. In a crowd this size, there's got to be somebody here that's lost. Probably multiple people, if we're being honest. People, you've never come to the place where you just received the love of God in your life. You don't understand that you look at yourself as a sinner. You think it's about maybe, maybe I need to go to church. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe you don't. Maybe you need to just listen to what God's word says. Maybe you need to look at the cross of Jesus Christ because I'm going to tell you something. It was elaborate and it was open and it was unashamed of you. And Jesus came and, and went through all the misery that he went through and the torment and, and, and everything that it took to, to pay for your sin. The, the, the most wicked, vile sin you can be in, he paid for it. And now he stands to go, now what is your response to this? This is how much I loved you. This is how much I want to forgive you. This is what I want to do for your life. What is your response to that? Because here's the thing, God shows mercy to everybody who cries out. How can a person be saved? Cry out to Jesus. That's what happens. When you come to the place where you recognize how sorry you are and how good he is, and you cry out, God forgives every person, saves every person that ever that ever come to him in that heart. And then look, in, look at this in verse 1, Psalm 40. <clears throat> I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined or listened to me. He heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. 
and he set my feet upon a rock. He established my steps. And what is his response? He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Man, God's people ought to be bringing people to Jesus simply through our praise for the goodness and the mercy of God in our life. So you look at that this morning. I hope and pray to God that you see God's loving kindness towards you. Don't let the devil separate you from God's love for guilt and shame and all that. And maybe you're sitting here and you say, I'm sorry. Maybe you're sitting here and you say, you know what? I've battled, I've battled addiction in my life. Whatever it is. Okay. A lot of people battle all kind of addiction. And, and, and there was one point in time in my life where I was free from it and, and I was walking with the Lord and I was, it was good. But you know what? Somehow I, I wandered and I got back involved in this or, or maybe it was people that you're involved with that was godless and sinful in your life. I got away from that crowd and somehow I'm back to that crowd and two or three different times. I know God's just fed up with me and his hands are thrown up and, you know, I, I'm ashamed to even come to, that's what the devil wants to say. You should be ashamed. Don't come to the Lord. Look at you. You've done failed God time and time and time again. But, but here's what God says to you. He's never failed you. He's never forsaken you. His mercy endures forever. So if you're here this morning and you're one of those people and you say, I, I need mercy, then, then God's got it for you. No strength. And if it's the 50th time or the 100th time or the second time, he loves you just like it's the first. How can you leave carrying guilt and shame and all that baggage and, and walking in sin and rebelling against God knowing that Jesus loves you that much? I don't understand that. I can understand the love and kindness of God way faster than I can understand people who just go, I don't want nothing to do with that. I hope if you're in that place where you go, I don't want nothing to do with it, one of these days you're going to come to your wit's end. I hope. I hope you come to the place where you figure out that what you're looking for, you're not going to find it in the world. But, buddy, when you turn to Jesus, you'll find life and forgiveness and love like you never imagined. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you, God, and I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you that mercy endures forever, God. I need mercy every day, every day. And I thank you that the blood of Jesus, your death, burial, and resurrection has secured that mercy. And God, it's not because of what we do or because we try to do better or, or that we try to change. Lord, a leopard can't change his spots no more than we can change our nature. But God, it's because of your great love that never changes that you show us that mercy. I thank you, God, and I just thank you for grace that you give us. God, you just blow my mind how you pour out your goodness. And I pray that people here will see that today, Lord. Quit listening to the lies of the devil. Lord, that they would look to you, God, knowing that you're for them, that your desire is to bring them to their desired haven and give them peace. God, people can walk in here today filthy and, and walk out white as snow. I just thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, you move here today in Jesus' name. Amen.